Welcome to another episode of Awakened Parenting. I'm your host, Jill McPherson, parenting consultant, mother of four, and teacher, here to answer your parenting questions. On today's episode, I'm discussing a topic that has really come to the forefront with parents during the pandemic. With a significant drop in things like extracurricular activities, sports, or even socializing with friends, now more than ever, kids are turning to gaming to fill their time and meet their needs for socialization and excitement. Perhaps you have found yourself over the past year bending the rules about how much time your kids can play video games because you're not sure what else your child can do. Perhaps you've tried getting them to do other things, but they resist, or you're busy with your own things and don't have the time to entertain them or enforce rules to guide them to do other things. Do you wonder if your child has a video game addiction, or do you fear your child could become addicted if you don't do something about it? then be sure to stay tuned to this week's episode of Awakened Parenting. Elaine Yuskowski is the author of Seeing Through the Cracks and Cyber Sober, A Caregiver's Guide to Video Gaming Addiction. After the release of her first book, Seeing Through the Cracks, I asked Elaine to be a guest on my TV show, Awakening Within. You can see that interview on my YouTube channel, Jill McPherson. I will include the link underneath the audio of this podcast on my website. And recently, I watched Elaine and her son share their story about video gaming addiction on an episode of W5. It brought to light how many families, especially now, are dealing with wondering how to manage their children's gaming time. A couple weeks ago, I overheard two moms of teenagers sharing their concern on this topic. One mom confessed how much her kids were playing video games, to which the other mom replied, yeah, but what else is there? Is there really nothing else for parents and teens but video games? What can parents do about all this video gaming? I created social media posts, including one on my Facebook Awakened Parenting group, to find out what questions parents have on video game usage and addiction. Several parents streamed in, most with a sense of urgency. I reached out to Elaine to see if she could help me address these questions. And so I'm so grateful that I have Elaine Yuskowski with me here today from her home in Guelph. Welcome, Elaine. Thanks for having me. So let's just start off by giving our listeners a background to how you came to write um, your book, specifically one on video game addiction. Uh, so my first book, I was struggling with the transition of parenting your child to parenting your adult child with my oldest son, who was off at university, I think it was the third or fourth year and just your role as a parent from zero to 18 is really defined. And then it becomes very murky when they become adults, you're not sure if you're a coach now if you are, you're a friend if you're, are you even an advisor anymore. Uh, And so I decided I would write my story and share it and see if we could start some kind of a forum online and parents could help each other through that transition, because I found all other mothers I spoke to said they felt the same way. Uh, And just before I began the writing process, uh, we received, I received an email from my younger son, who is 19 and now in university himself, uh, and he was in trouble. And uh, he had not been going to classes for two months. He had literally been staying up all night gaming, 
up to 16 hours until he would pass out uh, and then he'd sleep all day and he'd start the process again. Now he didn't see this as a gaming uh, addiction, uh, but the university caught up with him and said, you can't attend school, uh, live in residence, sorry, uh, if you're not attending classes. And they gave him three days to do something or the, the locks would be changed. So I, I got that SOS email. And so then I began the process of recognizing that I had an adult child with an addiction. And now I didn't know what my legal rights were. Uh, he's, he's 19. Um, and what is my role? And in the end, I decided to roll up my sleeves and parent anyway, because he needed somebody to advocate on his behalf. And so book one, uh, it's not resolved at the end. He's still in denial. We're still going through uh, relapses and recovery. Um, and uh, But somehow that became the video, first video gaming addiction book. And I was asked to start speaking about the topic. And then the second book, uh, I started when the pandemic uh, start, began uh, over a year ago, and my son actually was living with us for part of the pandemic because he found it very difficult to work from home and live on his own. And so while he was here, I interviewed him uh, quite extensively for the book so that uh, my readers could get inside the mind of a video gaming addict through the addiction and uh, into recovery and post-recovery, um, because he's now been three and a half years uh, completely detoxed from gaming in a recovery process. And I uh, called upon some experts that I knew, uh, did uh, added a whole lot of research, and, and came up with the caregiver's guide. Um, so that really is, that's the real video gaming addiction book, I would say. But both, you know, parenting books in different ways. Great. Wow. Wow. That's, um, that's, that's quite a journey you've been on. Um, so I definitely um, have glad called you in be, to join me because some of these questions, you know, I'm really looking forward to your, your insight on. Um, so I just want to start off by um, getting back to the, to the comment that I overheard from these two moms, um, you know, saying like, basically, what else is there? Um, why do you think gaming has taken over in so many at homes as these moms seem to be indicating? Well, gaming's fantastic. It's immersive. It's fun. Uh, it uh, challenges you. You get to learn problem solving, tenacity. Um, how to work with a team. So it has a lot to offer children. It's kind of an escape, no different than escaping into a really good movie or a book, uh, except that video gaming, where a book and a, a movie would end, often doesn't have a lot of ending. They just continue to keep you coming back uh, more and more. Um, and also, it's a great place to create community. So if you're not in school, and you're home, and you're isolated, it's a great place to join your friends. Right. And what do you say, you know, I've heard that comment from other um, parents that almost justify the the gaming because they need it for socialization, that it's their friends. What would you say to that? Well, I mean, we don't spend 24-7 with our friends. We get together with our friends a little bit. Even when you're in school, you're not necessarily talking with your friends. You do that at lunch or at recess time. And so you still need to regulate that time that they are spending online, uh, even if it is a, a time for them to create and maintain their community. 
Right, right. Good point. Okay, well, one of the questions I had that came in was from um, Jen, a mother of two young children. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing she's being proactive here and asking these questions. But she said, is there an age when this starts to really be preeminent that she needs to kind of be aware of coming down the line, I guess? I wouldn't say there's a particular age where it becomes more addictive than a like a older or younger age. Uh, predominantly, the average uh, gaming addict right now is 18 to 25. So it, it is with older adults, mostly males. Um, in fact, it's uh, 94% males and only 6% females uh, who do become addicted. Uh, but it can start at any age. Um, and, and usually there is some kind of trauma or emotional issue uh, that begins that sends them into the addiction. Right, right. So it's it's more about being aware of something that's going to trigger it into them rather than being aware of an age. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, you already answered her next question then. So your males definitely seem to be more um, prone to this addiction than females. Absolutely. A any reason why for that? Well, personally, I think we've spent so much time building females up to, you know, be empowered, be equal to men, um, feminist and feminist movement has become stronger, but we're not on the other hand, uh, spending time helping males to learn to be more emotional and deal with their emotions. And so where do they go to deal with this? We've kind of got a, a lost generation of boys. Excellent point. Right. Yeah. So uh, rather than dealing with emotions, they're, they're turning to video games to, as a, as an outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, girls can be addicted to screens more than video games, so they can be uh, addicted to social media for their own emotional needs. It's really good insight. I, re I really appreciate this. Um, so what are, um, would you say, are the best parenting strategies to support a child through this um, in in a responsive parenting style is what Jen's asked. And I, and I know that I know this mom well enough to know what she's getting at here is um, she wants something that matches her parenting style, which isn't sort of the um, assertive um, my way or the highway kind of approach. She's very much um, wanting to uh, respond rather than react. She's wanting to um, you know, think more uh, all encompassing about her children's needs. So are there certain strategies that you think, and I'm, I'm guessing here, she's thinking more preventative as well, because she's got young children. So she's not in this, but ways to support it so that it doesn't become addictive. Right. So I mean, the first thing you want is to make sure your kids are eating well, and they're getting proper sleep. Uh, and that they have a very balanced life that their life isn't all online. Um, you know, they have friends that they see outside of gaming or uh, social media, uh, that they spend time with family, that you're eating meals together at the table, that children are involved in meal prep, even if it's just setting the table and helping clean up afterwards, not necessarily cooking if they're young children, uh, making sure that, you know, they make their beds and keep their rooms tidy and, and share in the chores in the house, that they're getting outside and getting exercise uh, and so you just make sure things are well balanced. But in terms of uh, anything on screen, it should never be something that is done 
secretly and privately behind a bedroom door. So uh, gaming and screen time should be done in a central location in the house where it can be supervised. Sit with your children while they're playing and talk to them about the game. You know, look to see if they're playing because they know there are translatable skills that they can use in their life, like problem solving and, and team building and ask them, you know, say, wow, that looked like a really difficult uh, challenge. Tell me how, what the process was that you used to, to do that. Or, you know, how did, how did you get through that difficult um, problem? And so then you know that the child is there using it uh, in a healthy way, as opposed to a child who's had a trauma or is being bullied uh, and isn't uh, succeeding successfully and has gone online to uh, escape um, and, and maybe experiencing some anxiety and maybe some depression as well. So you, if you sit with your child, you can sort of see um, those kinds of dynamics play out. You also wanna make sure your kids don't get into a very toxic environment because there are certain games where it can become very toxic and there can be some cyberbullying happening as well. So that's why we wanna monitor it. And we wanna make sure that we um, regulate the time. Uh, Schoolwork should be done first um, and house chores should be done first. Gaming should be a secondary thing that they do. Right. So what I'm hearing is it's not just about quantity, it's about quality. It's also about realizing that there's some um, things that video games can benefit or some skill sets that they can help develop. So we want to make sure it's what they're doing and how they're using that screen time, not just watching the clock um, and, and make, because they could have even a shorter period of video gaming, but if it's something detrimental or something, you know, say um, aggressive, like violent or something, as you say, where cyberbullying could be part of it, then that's far more concerning than actual amount of time on the screen. Right. I mean, there's lots of kids that, you know, should only have one hour of gaming a day because they seem to get obsessive and compulsive about it and can't turn it off and can't can't walk away from it. While there's other kids that could game for three hours and still get everything else done and be fine. So you have to know your child. Right. And help them then with the self-regulation, which I think we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I, my next question is actually from a grandfather. Um, and um, Johan shared that my granddaughter, who is not yet two, can easily spend an hour on a smartphone and knows how to swipe to view pictures and how to touch screen and how touch screen functions work. Um, not sure if this is helpful or not at this age. Um, what, what's your comments on that? So the American Pediatric Association feels that uh, children under two should have no screen time whatsoever. And there's two reasons for this. Uh, As infants, they need to learn attachment theory. So if mom is holding baby and breastfeeding and has her phone in the other hand, uh, and is busy, you know, scrolling and interested in the phone, then and not cooing and making eye contact and touching baby, uh, then baby gets attached to this instrument that's in mom's hands, because that to baby appears to be the more interesting thing. And so you want a you want your your infant to be attached to people and not to objects. And the second reason is that vision is a learned uh, thing. It's not something that's automatic. So all the little milestones of uh, babies and toddlers, when they sit up, when they roll over, when they hold their head up, uh, that's teaching them a peripheral and distance vision. 
And so if you put a screen in front of them, that's as far as they're going to learn distance vision. Uh, so it can impair a child's uh, visual development as well. Wow. So really concerning. So, um, so for little ones, you know, toddlers that are, you know, able to sit up and, and hold a phone, you're saying you would really discourage anyone from uh, handing a little one a phone Absolutely. or any sort of screen. Yeah. 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 Okay. Great, great points there. Um, another parent, uh, Pam from Orangeville, um, she, uh, she, uh, messaged, I also want to add to this subject. My son is 15 and definitely a gamer up all night, sleeps all day. I'm concerned with lack of exercise, vitamin D and him not socializing physically um, in the same location with friends. So how is the lack of exercise and possibly vitamin D affect the body? Um, I hear this mom, you know, concerned about his physical health Um but I'm wondering if, if the focus needs to be on, on the gaming and, and then deal with the physical health. I have questions about why this child is up all night gaming and sleeping all day at 15. Uh, that tells me they're not attending school during the day or they're not online during the day at school. Right. So that's yes. a big question. Right. And yeah, you want to be dealing with... Uh, the the sleep pattern first of all is completely mixed so they're not going to get vitamin d if they're sleeping all day um and uh they i mean everyone needs to exercise to keep our us heart healthy uh get fresh air um that sounds to me like a problematic gamer Right, right. And that's what I was wondering, too. So really, um, maybe our, the feedback we can offer this mom is ways to address the, the gaming um, all night and sleeping all day. Um, what would you say to her would be your first piece of advice on if she wants to help him to start making changes with this, um, with his schedule? Well, I mean, you want to get him on board. You want him to be willing to want help as well. But you also want to look at why. What, what is he hungering for in video games that he's not getting it outside of video games in his life? So he's hungering for something that's missing in his life and he's, he's gaming to get it. Uh, and uh, there are different types of gamers. There's the recreational gamer that can you know, regulate their gaming and it doesn't get in, in the way of any other parts of their life. Uh, there is the escapist gamer who, like I said before, is having emotional issues, uh, maybe being bullied, uh, maybe there's problems in the home, uh, or this child has a mental health issue that they need to deal with or a learning dis uh, disability. And so they're escaping into the game so they don't have to deal with their emotional pain. Uh, and then there's the high achievers. And so these are really bright kids, generally, you know, perfectionist uh, personality that, you know, want to do really well in school, but maybe because of the learning disability are not getting the grades and not getting the feedback they want, or they're looking for feedback at home that they're not receiving. And so they'll go online to gaming uh, to get the reward so they can feel the best, so they can feel like they have power and control in their life. And so that is the high achiever gamer. And then we have the combination of the two, which is called the hardcore gamer. And that is a gamer who's both escaping and using gaming for high achieving, and they are at the highest risk to becoming addicted. So we wanna take a look at 
you know, why is why is this uh, young boy uh, gaming excessively and sleeping through the day? What is he trying to escape from? Right. And yeah, and what, needs and what is he to trying him? to gain? Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So really, you're saying the first step for this mom is to just get clear on why he's doing this. What's he trying to get from it? What's what, uh, you know, basically what kind of gamer is he? Mm-hmm. And then based on that, um, the second thing I'm hearing you say is making a connection with him to see, um, you know, sort of get him on board to changing it. Because if he doesn't want to change it, she's in for a real challenge, I'm sure. So it's getting him on board over uh, wanting to make a change with changes to his schedule. And she does that first by figuring out other ways to help him get his needs met. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And, you know, if he needs to go and see somebody, he needs to see a counselor, this would be a good time to talk to him about, you know, is he feeling low mood? Does he feel like he needs to go and speak to somebody? I mean, it, it wasn't something that suddenly happened where he suddenly stopped gaming all started gaming all night. So there's been a pattern here where he's just slowly uh, driven into gaming all night. So, you know, back up and look to see what, what started happening before it started to slide into more and more hours. Okay. Okay. So that would help too. So let's just um, guess here that like I'm guessing anyway, that um, if a parent wants to deal with helping them change it, the first thing they might be uh, having to address is anger. There might be some resistance from their child, particularly at this age of 15 of wanting to make some changes. Um, So one of the questions I have here is what do I do if my child becomes angry when I try to reduce or take away gaming? What would you say to that? Well, it's okay for them to be angry. Uh, The the brain does change when uh, gaming becomes obsessive and compulsive. Uh, And so they do struggle with more irritability, especially if they're they're not sleeping well. A lot of gamers are not getting enough sleep either. They're gaming till 3 a.m. and then still trying to get up in the morning and and attend school. Uh, It's okay for them to feel angry. Um, They have a right to the emotion. And the best thing you can do is, I, I know this is difficult. I can see this is making you angry. I understand. Uh, and just acknowledge the uh, emotion and and let them, you know, as long as they're not being violent, they're not hurting other siblings or hurting you, uh, destroying your house, which can happen. Um, you know, just let them let them sulk, let them be mad. It's it's okay. Um, our job as parents isn't to be, you know, winning a popularity contest. Our job is to impose rules and regulations and give our kids guidance and make sure they're safe and make sure they're moving in the right direction for their lives. Yes, Aileen, I couldn't agree with you more about the anger thing. Um, I hear that a lot from parents wanting solutions on how to, uh, what to do when their child's angry. In other words, how to get them to stop being angry or how to get them to stop being sad. And my number one answer is they're allowed to feel what they're feeling. They're allowed to be angry. They're allowed to be sad. Um, Our job is not to rescue them of their emotion. Our job is to help them manage it um, and to feel it and to um, use that emotion to, you know, inform themselves what's really going on here and then to give them that practice of self-regulation. Yeah. When my difficult periods of time during detox, I always said, you know, I understand this is hard. What can I do to help you with this? So I'm willing to support, but I'm not going to take away the hard part. Uh, I'll stand by and, you know, give you whatever you need, but you need to build the resilience and, and learn how to manage 
can't get so caught up in the problem. There's a kid behind that problem that's hurting. We got to get to the hurt. We got to fix that. So go back to that child you know and love and remember that child because that child's still in there somewhere, but they're lost in this addiction. So connects more to the child than the problem. Yeah. So stop focusing on the video game addiction and start focusing more on the child. Yeah. What's the child's need? That's what it was with my son. What do you need? What do you, the minute I got that SOS email, I picked up the phone and my first words to him were, what do you need? And when he did the interview with W5, because they were here for two days, you know, it's like 30 seconds on the show, but they spent two days with intense interviews with us. And he said the best thing that my mom ever did for me was ask me all the time, what do I need? Like the moment she got the SOS, she picked up the phone and said, what do you need? And then when he relapsed the second time and I asked him, do you still want to go to university? Like, we, you don't have to, if this is not what you want. And he said, no, I want my degree. Again, I'm going to ask you, sky is the limit. What do you need? And that's when he said, I need you to drive me to school and walk me to class. I can't do this on my own. So if you focus on the need as opposed to, you know, the addiction, you're going to get a lot further. Right. So asking your kids, what do you need? Yeah. What do you need? They always know. He always knew. Sometimes he needed me to, because I would, you know, at that time I had to, I'd have my phone out all the time. If I was getting together with girlfriends, I'd say, sorry, my phone's going to be on the table. The volume's going to be on. If I get a text or a phone call from him, I have to take it because I was so worried about his emotional state at that time. I was really worried about suicide and they're like, no problem. And sometimes he literally needed me to talk him off the wall. Sometimes he just needed somebody to rant to. Sometimes I needed to, you know, put my phone on my purse and get my car keys out and go get him. But he always knew what he needed. And I always said, you know, whatever your need is, I'm, you know, this far away. Wow. That's what worked for us. So once it comes to the point where you really feel like, or say even a professional has uh, helped to diagnose that your, you know, your child, your teen is really addicted, is it better to just completely, you know, detox right from the start? Or do you try to just reduce the hours or make slow changes into the schedule? Or what have you found or what's the research saying to do as far as how to help them? So, well, both. You can do both because it's a behavioral addiction as opposed to a substance addiction. You know, if it was alcohol or drugs, of course, we would remove both substances. Um, But this is a behavioral addiction and you can learn to manage it like you would if you had a food addiction, you still have to eat. If you have a sex addiction, you people still have sex. So there's always a bottom line in those situations. So someone with a food addiction may count calories. uh, They may stay away from triggering foods. Uh, they might use Weight Watchers. Um, and so they would have a, a bottom line. And then if they strayed from that, then, you know, you reevaluate that with your therapist to see, you know, what, what do we need to tweak and change? And so the same thing with gaming, unless it's, you know, completely destructive, uh, destroying their life. In my son's case, he wasn't grooming or eating anymore. And he was six foot two and had dropped to 127 pounds. He wasn't attending school. Uh, we had to take drastic measures and detox him immediately. One of the good things about the detox is you can detox for a short period of time just so you can get a baseline to see where their mood is at 
Um, what, you know, what are they struggling with? Because if they are already struggling with anxiety or depression, the research is showing that excessive gaming will exacerbate those conditions, those neurological disorders. So, you know, they may be having extreme anxiety and extreme depression while gaming, but once you remove for two to three weeks, you might see that it's just mild anxiety, mild depression, maybe more manageable. So you want to kind of get a baseline to see where they're at emotionally. Um, but you don't always have to detox. I work with lots of parents where we are just reducing the time. But okay. you have to have a backup plan. I mean, if you're reducing the time or you're detoxing, you better have a plan in place for what they're going to do when they're not gaming, because that's a lot of idle time and their body will be looking for that dopamine hit that gaming was giving them. And so they will have withdrawal symptoms. Right. So it's not just about taking the gaming away. It's about creating a plan over how they're going to reschedule and use their time. Right. And how they're going to manage their emotions. So, you know, if you're detoxing completely, you're going to have to give them a couple of weeks to deal with some uncomfortable um, physical and emotional symptoms. Gaming a lot, that wasn't when he was fully addicted. Um, and that's not what led to his addiction eventually. But, you know, so I would say I, I, couldn't um, confirm that there's a correlation between the two. There'd be a lot of variables that they're not discussing in that study. For sure. And I, I totally agree with you, Elaine, that empathy is something that needs to be role modeled and explicitly taught with children, uh, you know, regardless of, of any video gaming. Um, they really need to be, you know, explicitly taught how to uh, see people, other people's situation, other perspectives beyond their own. And that's a skill that works, that you can build on over time. Young children, of course, are very egocentric and, and have a really hard time seeing perspectives outside of themselves. But uh, when it's fostered, it's amazing how quickly even, um, you know, four and five-year-olds can uh, really have a very strong uh, level of empathy for somebody else in the end situation. And I'm also guessing that, it, again, it comes back to not only uh, quantity, but quality. And what I'm saying that is, you know, there can be uh, gaming that really opposes empathy because it's um, a competitive nature. It's, you know, there's, there's points for, you know, killing people. There's point, you know, you gain power, the more uh, destructive you are towards others. Um, so again, really watching what and being aware of what they're playing so that it's not um, fostering the opposite of empathy. Um, right. And so that that's huge too, I would say. And so let's focus a little bit more on prevention. Um, so signs your child um, is on the path to addiction. What would you say are some of the number one signs uh, for parents to watch for if they're if you if they they that their child might be on the path to uh, video game addiction? Well, the first thing you want to look at is impaired control. So they can't control or regulate the time. You're telling them, you know, every 10 minutes, get off the game, get off the game, get off the game, and they're not getting off the game. Or they're having a complete and utter meltdown each time you ask them to get off of the game. Now, on the same token, some kids need to have a good 10-minute period of transition between getting off the game, uh, when you tell them to get off the game and they actually get off the game, they might be in the middle of a, a battle. And if they stop at that moment, 
uh, they could lose for the team. And then, of course, they're going to be bullied by, by the rest of the teammates. And sometimes they can be kicked off of games for that reason. So you need to give them a, a you know a good 10-minute warning uh, and sometimes sit with your child um, and start talking to them so that they you can pull them out of the virtual world into the tangible world in a, an easy transition um, to get them away from the game. But if that's not even working and your child is insisting that they just need to play more and more and more, that's a big sign. So that would be increased priority, right, where the game becomes everything and they've lost interest in other things that they do. They don't want to spend time with the family. They don't want to do their sports anymore. Their their grades are, are dropping in school. Uh, watch their sleeping patterns. If they seem to be very tired in the morning, there's probably a good chance that they've been up late at night um, and gaming. Uh, and getting to bed too late uh, without you even knowing. You know, they may look like they're going to bed and then when they think you're sleeping, they'll they'll get up and, and game anyway. A lot of kids are online late at night playing. Um, and then despite the negative consequences, they keep gaming anyway. Um, they're, you know, doing poorly in school. They're losing friendships. Uh, things are chaotic in the home. Uh, if it's an older adult, they've lost their job. Um, if they lost a relationship as a result of it, those are signs that you would look for. Right. Okay. I really want to jump on that self-regulation part. I think that that's a huge prevention um, because that's been uh, my experience specifically as, as a mom as well. I remember from a young age and when, when mine were young, there wasn't uh as much video gaming, um, but there was still screen. There was still screen time with um, TV and computer. Um, and I really wanted to make sure that I offered my children an opportunity to self-regulate so that, you know, a lot of parents can get exhausted with endless rules of only this much time and, and, and do this and not that and blah, blah. And that's a lot to police and it's exhausting and, and, and eventually detrimental to the relationship. I think it's, right from when they're young, helping them to self-regulate over, okay, you've got, you know, A, B, and C to get done. Um, I know you want to you know, either watch that show or play that game or whatever it is on, they want to do on the screen. Um, and and how are you going to do this? What order are you going to do in it? How much time do you think you need? And um, helping them have an understanding, a sense of time. So for instance, you know, putting a timer on and saying, oh, so we agree to, you know, a half hour. And so when the timer goes off, they can start to get an idea of like, um, um, you know, what that what a half hour feels like, or what that time, amount of time felt like. And then can they then, you know, turn it off within a certain amount of time? Do Can they do that themselves? Do you need my help? Um, and then also really reflecting over when they make a plan, allowing them to make that plan, and then self reflect over so you, you thought you could do this much screen time, and then get all these jobs done. And, and it didn't work. Um, so now what's your plan? You know, okay, oh, so you're going to do this and this first, and then see how much time or, you know, like, there's just a lot of different scenarios that you can work through. But the point is, is helping them to co create a plan, and then evaluate and say, how did that work for you? And how did it work for me? And, you know, and then, okay, so now how can we amend it, celebrate the parts that work well? Like I noticed you, you know, got up and turned the screen off yourself. That was great. Um, and, uh, um, and really giving them that opportunity to self-reflect and then make adjustments so that they're constantly uh, self-regulating. Um, I know I have, you know, if, if it's not been done from a young age and then you're starting into it as a teen, 
it is going to be a little bit uh, more challenging if they haven't developed these skills. Uh, but I know a lot of parents are are relying on things like, you know, just turning the Wi-Fi off or taking devices away. And my concern is that there isn't the skill building if we're just sort of policing their behavior rather than helping them to self-regulate their own behavior so that when they aren't in our, under our, you know, our roof anymore, that they can continue with that skill, um, you know, once they're, once they've moved out. Um, right. And the other tip that I would offer parents as well is um, it's okay to be honest with your kids about your concern. Uh, for instance, I have, you know, said to my kids, sometimes I'll hear about other parents' strategies and they might, um, seem like, okay, well, that's a strategy I could use as a parent, but there can also be some hesitation, maybe because I feel like it's too, um, uh, too, uh, almost like disrespectful or too, um, not involving the, my children enough. So I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, I've got this concern about, you know, what time you need to be off the screen at night, or I've got a concern about, um, you taking your phone into your room, or I have a concern about, and telling them my genuine concern and what it makes them susceptible to, you know, what what traps they might fall into, what um, the research has said about kids who, you know, have their phones in their room or kids who are up late at night. Or um, another one of my concerns I've shared with my kids is uh, about how the screen can be like a stimulant. So it's sort of like if you're going to be on your screen right before you go to sleep, it's sort of like drinking a cup of coffee before, and then deciding you want to go to sleep. It's going to be pretty challenging um, because you've the screen has stimulated uh, the neurons in your brain to you know sort of stay awake. Um, so I share these things with them and then they can help to come up with, oh, okay, now with this information, what do you think would be best for you? What do you think? And, um, and we've also realized that, you know, with my four kids, um, one can manage one thing and one, maybe not so much. I know you referred to that, you know, that earlier that not all kids are the same. And I found that with my kids too, where they, um, one can decide that this, um, these rules and, and this, these guidelines or schedule works for them and another one, uh, nope, they need, they need it tweaked a little bit more, um, maybe a little bit more of a conservative plan versus a more liberal plan. Um, so it's really important, I think, to, to speak to our kids uh, about our genuine concern and then put it back to them and say, so what are your thoughts on this and, and what do you think uh, as part of the self-reflection as well? So um, involving our kids as much as possible rather than dictating, I think, is, is, is huge. I think also um, as parents, we need to role model for our kids with our own use. Excellent point. Yeah, for sure. And I, I noticed that too. I remember the first time I, you know, had a cell phone where I was texting. Um, my oldest was oh, maybe about 10 at the time. And, you know, she ended up yelling at me about uh, using it because she was asking me a question and I couldn't hear her. <laughs> and at that moment, I realized how much I was going to have to work on my own skills and self-regulate myself and role model. Um, of course, the, none of the kids had a phone at that time, um, but um, I was like, okay, this is the beginning of something huge. And I'm going to have to make sure that I'm on top of this myself before I ever ask my kids to self-regulate with a screen. Um, right. So that's so important. It's role model, role model, role model for sure. Um, excellent point, Elaine. 
Well, Eileen, I just really want to thank you uh, for coming in and sharing uh, all this insight. I, I know I've gained a few more uh, really good tidbits of information that I'm going to tuck away when I'm supporting parents with this topic. Um, and I'm sure, certain that the, the parents listening today are benefiting from, uh, from hearing you and from hearing um, you and Jake share your stories. I encourage people to um, watch the W5 uh, episode. You can go to um, Elaine's website, um, elaineuskowski.com, and see a variety of uh, interviews that she's done and, and that one in particular. Um, prevention is key, um, and I hope our discussion today will help many parents and children um, who either are experiencing some of the concerns or right in the middle of it, what they can do uh, to help get this turned around. Um, Elaine, clearly you've taken a very challenging time in your life and turned it into ways to help others. And I really want to thank you for that. Well, thank you so much, Jill. All the best in, in your journey in helping uh, parents with this, with this challenging topic. And do parents, yours. If, yeah, thank you. Yes, thanks. And parents, if you have any further questions or are interested in purchasing one of Elaine's books, Seeing Through the Cracks and Cyber Sober, A Caregiver's Guide to Video Game Addiction, then be sure to check out Elaine's website at elaineuskowski.com or they are available on Amazon. I have added a link to her website on my website, uh, jillmcpherson.com, just below this audio recording on the podcast page. Elaine is also available as a guest speaker on this topic. So once again, don't hesitate to reach out to Elaine on her website at elaineuskowski.com. Are you wanting more insight and support on this topic or any other parenting challenge you might be having? Then be sure to check out my online parenting workshops at jillmcpherson.com. I have an online four-week workshop called Small Hands, Big Challenges for parents of children approximately aged four to 10, and another one called Staying Connected with Teens for parents of tweens and teens. Each of these are one evening a week and run for one month. The April workshop sessions are now open for registration, so be sure to go to my website, jillmcpherson.com to register. I also offer the Peaceful Parenting Program for parents who want more ongoing support in using the knowledge and skills they learned in the workshop. We meet every Tuesday night on Zoom, and I'm available to answer your parenting questions right on the spot so you can begin to effectively address any problem you're having right away. This is a monthly subscription program that is definitely the most economical way to go. Don't forget, you can also request to join my Facebook group, Awaken Parenting, so you can read tips, articles, and ask questions along with other caring and conscientious parents who are seeking ways to be the best parent they can be. In the meantime, do you have a parenting question or questions that you would like me to answer in my next podcast? Then please email me at jillmcpersonyes at gmail.com. Until then, this is Jill McPherson inviting you to join me in awakening to a more peaceful way to parent on Awakened Parenting.